This is the Tribune Audio Network. Hi. Hi. Oh my God. It was right on time. It was amazing. Oh my God. Welcome to Sip. Survive. And repeat. I'm Jenny. I'm Danelle. And I'm Kenny. I completely blanked right there, I'll be honest. <laughs> Almost missed it. But do we um, really have to say who we are anymore? You guys have been listening for a year and a half. Or maybe. a year and, yeah, a year and a half. Some people are new. Some people are we'll new. Start from the beginning. Oh my God, don't Just start with episode kidding. one, though. That was a little rough. <laughs> I can't even listen to the beginning episodes. I mean, some of these ones are rough, too. But <laughs> <laughs> but in a, in a funnier way than episode yeah. one, where we were just yeah. really nervous the whole time. Why? This is so silly. I don't know. I just don't know. Oh, my God. Um, so, Kenny, you moved recently. I did. How'd it go? Well, well, was it smooth? It, yeah, it was a smooth move. Like, didn't have too many big things to move. Like, left my couches at the old place, threw away my old mattress. So Yes. New it mattress. wasn't too bad. Yeah, that mattress was so terrible. I had it, like... <sighs> The start of college, and like you always go to the middle, no matter what. Like it's just a pit, <laughs> it's like a burrito to the middle. <laughs> like, and if you sat on the edges, like you can feel how firm the edges are in the did, middle. Just did like everyone else, just now, or was that just me? Did what? What'd you say? Did did you just cut? Did, did you guys just cut out, or am I cutting out? You're cutting out. Yeah, I didn't hear any cutouts. Is it your beats, Jenny? I'm not wearing my beats. Oh. But you guys are I, cutting out. Oh, we're not. I, it sounds fine on, my, fine on my end. All right. I'm just going to move my phone to the other side of the desk and we'll see what happens. Okay. okay. So you got, you got rid of the taco mattress. Yes. Thank God. That's great. Yeah, this would move on. Well, everything's put in its place now. We just need to hang some stuff on the walls and then we'll pretty much be done. Awesome. And she kind of already had it all decorated too. So yeah, I'm, I'm really happy for you guys. So has it been nice not having to go back and forth from your apartment to hers? You could just stay in one place. Yeah. It's so nice. I just feel like I'm saving so much time. Right. (laughs) Right. Yay. So exciting. Um, so I felt like this week was the longest week ever. So long. Uh, you guys are listening on a Tuesday, but for us, it's Thursday the week before. And I, just every day this week, I was like, wait, is today Thursday? Like, I got confused multiple days that it was later in the week. Multiple days. And then today, I did the thing where I thought it was Friday. And I was like, oh, it. it's That's a sure. real letdown there. Mm, 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 mm. So. I did that on Tuesday. I mm-hmm. thought I switched appointments up and I was like, oh my God, I'm supposed to be somewhere else right now, but it was the wrong day and I just didn't know what was going on. And then my calendars weren't syncing up with my phone and my laptop. It's just been a one hot fucking mess this week. It's almost mm. over. Mm. No. I'm ready for Friday and I'm taking tomorrow off. <gasps> so I'm pretty well, jealous the of problem. that. This is the problem, though. I keep taking Fridays off, but then on Monday, this is why my weeks are such a cluster, then I'm backed up because I didn't work on Friday. So Uh, it's just a never-ending cycle, but I need a day off because the weeks are so crazy. Anyway. I hear you. 
I mean, so. I've only been back for like two weeks and I'm like, I could use a vacation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for those of us that have not had a vacation all year, I am wanting to kill somebody. So there. Mm-hmm. 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 Please don't. I will. But I understand it, but don't. Yeah. I mean, me, um, I'm, I mean, everybody else is in the same boat. So yes. Yes. Um, I would like to do a shout out to Old Navy. I bought oh. some um, masks from Old Navy. Mm-hmm. They are super cute and super comfy. Really? Like, as far as masks are concerned, yeah. Like they're just simple cotton masks with elastic around your ears, but they come in like cute little patterns. And um, I got a five pack for me. I got a five pack for my husband, one for five pack for my stepdaughter, and a five pack for my son. Very exciting. These are the kind of shopping adventures I'm having. Yeah. (laughs) I have yet to try a cloth. Well, my grandma did make me a cloth mask. And I love you, grandma. She doesn't listen. But Mm. it didn't work very well. Mm. So I've been using the disposable ones. Like, I'll wear them a couple times and throw them out. But I have yet to, to like, buy a store-bought cloth mask. So maybe I'll try my first one with Old Navy. I would. I believe it was 5 for 25 So it was a pretty good deal. And then how long do you wear them before you throw them or wash them? Well, I'm not 100% sure. Some people say after you, like, wear it once, you have to wash it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some people let you, like, they're like, yeah, you can wear it a couple times. My gauge is once I wear it, so when I go to the barn and then I go somewhere after to, like, pick up food and I put that mask on my dirty horse face, (laughs) then I I wash it. But that's, like, a personal thing that doesn't apply to everyone. I guess it's kind of like underwear, <laughs> right? I like you, I, you change I your underwear like a bra. every day. No, I treat it like a bra. Uh, yeah, I wear bras multiple days in a row. So yeah. Yeah. depends on I, the activity level too. So. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. The only time I really wear a mask right now is if I go to the grocery store, which I haven't. Donald has actually gone a bunch lately, or when I drop my son off at school. So that's literally like maybe ten minutes, more like six and a half minutes that I'm in the school with the mask on, drop him off, leave. Yeah. So I don't know. Mask facts. Yeah. But I would like to say old Navy, great job. Good mask. Although I will say my favorite mask is still the one my mom made me. My mom made me a very nice mask. It's very comfortable. It even has one of the, like a little piece of metal for your nose. So like molds to your face. She's fancy. Yeah, that's the one I wear when I get my hair cut because I feel like it keeps the hair out more than my other masks. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> ooh, and next week, well, by the time this comes out, me and Danelle will be at a wine adventure here in Cleveland. Uh, so we will keep you posted on that. We want to give you all the details, but I'm just going to tease it with we're going to a wine boutique and I'm you're so personally excited. invited by the owner. So we're going to let you know how that goes. Yeah. We're going to stock up ready. on some things mm-hmm. and I'm excited to see her boutique. It sounds so cute and adorable. You've been there already. So right. Haven't you I seen have not. It? Oh, I thought you have for some reason. No, no, no. I'm no, I met her through her old job and then mm. she started this as like a separate thing. That's right. That's so. right listening skills. I'm not great at them sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So should we talk? Oh, wait, let's talk about what we're drinking and then we can talk about survival stories. Mm. 
Okay, well, I'm doing a classic vodka soda with a splash of ginger beer, so I may be a little belchy during this, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am drinking something we drank a long time ago called Sledgehammer. Oh, shit, yeah. It's a red blend, and I didn't look at the ABV on this particular vintage. It's it, it was high last time, so... <laughs> it, we got sledgehammered. Remember how drunk we got drinking that? Yes, yes, because I remember people thought it was real funny. All my friends were like, you guys sounded wasted. <laughs> like, we were legit slurring our words. That was a tough yeah. one, but it was hilarious. So get ready. <laughs> hey. Bye, Jenny. So, sorry. Tootie! I'm in a room, I'm in a room with my dogs, and they keep barking. And the one who keeps barking is deaf. Hey! <laughs> Oh, I just slammed my foot on the ground. That got her attention. Okay. Uh, Kathy, okay. what are you drinking? Uh, some water. Can I? I could grab a beer, I guess. I have this new beer I got called Unicorn Farts. Oh. I mean, it I has edible want you... glitter in it. I want you to open that. Right yes. Now. Yeah, you have to. I hope you get glitter stuck in your teeth, and then every time you smile at Kim the rest of the night, your teeth just glow and glisten. Shine. I tried it last night. It was pretty good. Yeah. What does it it taste like? Can you describe it a little bit? Uh, It's a sour beer, and it's like a fruity sour. I think it's supposed to taste a little bit like Fruit Loops. It has a little Mm. taste to it. I love a good Fruit Loop. Okay. It's pretty Mm -hmm. good. Cool. Okay. Um, all right. So who should go first? What, what kind of story are you dealing with? I'm dealing with a, um, disease-esque story. Mm, topical. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully this doesn't happen to us, but. Um, mine is, uh, combines a few of our favorite things. Plane crashes, wilderness oh. survival, snow, freezing temperatures. Oh wow! All the all of our favorite things. I don't know, mm. Kenny. You pick. Uh, let's go Danelle first, so Jenny oh. can drink some of her sledgehammer. Yeah, Jenny. <laughs> Get Jenny good and wasted before she has to go. <laughs> yes. Perfect. So, um, my story is the survival story of Alex Lewis, and this takes place back in November 2013. And Alex was just a regular guy. He was 33 years old, just doing regular guy, 33 years old stuff. He has a, um, or he had a two-year-old son at the time and his wife, Lucy, who are both adorable. And they were owners of a pub called King Arms in this little town. Actually, I don't know if it's little, but it's this town in England. And um, he also was a stay-at-home dad. So he was, Lucy pretty much ran the pub. Like, he helped, too, but then he also was a stay-at-home dad in the picture. So, he started not feeling well one day, and it started out as any typical man cold, as they all start out, we can attest to. (laughs) Lots of complaining, the inability to do small tasks. Sorry, men, I'm picking on you. And a sore throat. So, he thought it was nothing. (laughs) And in the days to follow, he then started breaking out in a rash. Like Uh a spotty rash all over his body. And Lucy was Mm -hmm. like, huh, that's weird. And then blood started coming out of his rash. No! Not everywhere, but in certain spots. That is not what you want. No. And in this documentary I watched, Lucy said that he, like, came out of the bedroom and he was turning purple. 
<gasps> like his skin was turning purple. Ooh. And he basically was like, honey, I think there's something really wrong with me. And he almost collapsed. So she called 911 or whatever it is over there. Um, and he was rushed to the local hospital. So when he gets to the hospital, the doctors were like, you are, your body is essentially deteriorating. And they had informed him that he had contracted or he had um, strep A toxic shock syndrome ever heard of it no okay so strep a is the same type of strep that you get when you get a sore throat like we've all had i get strep throat every year but this is a different kind where it morphs into something more deadly um and it's basically bacteria that um causes the toxic toxic shock syndrome and it spreads into your deep tissues and the bloodstream. And Wait, it's very rare. Was he wa- super- was he wearing was he wearing a tampon? No, but you can get okay. So you can get talk. You know, you we've all heard like in junior high, like make sure you change them because you can get TSS, toxic so- toxic shock syndrome. And essentially, what that is, because I, I went down that rabbit hole. Because I'm like, what exactly is as a female? Like, how can you get toxic shock syndrome from a tampon? Well, it's because not to be TMI, and if you guys are grossed out, you can fast forward through this, but your blood sits in the tampon and it can grow bacteria on it. And that's how you can get toxic shock syndrome through mm. wearing a tampon for too long. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is kind of the same thing, but basically the bacteria enters the body some way, somehow. They don't really know how. And um, it can be openings in the skin or from a surgical wound. Um, he doesn't know how his went got into his body, but they get into your mucous membranes and basically just eat you from the inside out. So yeah, it's very rare. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't spread it from the TSS. You can't spread it from one person to another. However, obviously strep though is very contagious. So, and it's a very common thing for people to get, but Mm -hmm. the symptoms are uh, a sudden high fever, low blood pressure, vomiting, diarrhea, a rash, um, particularly on your palms and soles of your feet, confusion, <gasps> muscle aches, redness, dry mouth, sore throat, seizures. So all of like these normal weird ailments, but it starts out just like a common cold. So you don't know there's anything wrong with you. Yeah. Um, if you catch this, you have to be treated immediately in order to prevent death. The and toxic, the toxic shock. The TSS. Syndrome. That's okay. what I'm just going to call it because I keep Good. exploring my word. Well, you can't. I'm not even drunk and I can't say it. So <laughs> I'm like, toxic shock syndrome. <laughs> um, usually, if you do catch it and you catch it in time, you're given antibiotics and yes. you have to have surgery to remove any dead tissue. Oh, God. Um, amputations to all that jazz. Oh, my God. Um, I know. So there are about 500 to 1,500 cases reported a year, which is I thought was kind of high, more so than I thought. I'd never really heard of this before in this form. And yeah, I've only um, heard of it in the tampon usage because I – the pamphlet, it's on the every box. time I – well, I take the dumb pamphlet out of the tampon box, and every time it's like, you could get TSS, and I'm like, goodbye, and I throw it out. Like, you're going, you could die from this. And you're like, whatever, see ya. <laughs> um, My body won't let me wear a tampon for too long. So that's all I'm going to say about that. That's great news. <laughs> that's good to know, Jenny. Just um, letting you know. <laughs> just let it out there. Ooh, this sledgehammer is kicking in. Kicking yeah. in. Yeah. 
Um, so in his case, his chance of survival is 3%, according to his doctors. So it was long past the, the deadline for him. Uh Um, and in this documentary, which I have the name written down somewhere in my notes, when I get to it, I'll say it. Um, it's really just kind of like follows them for multiple years on his journey through this. Um, he ended up it's so sad because he said when he was in the hospital, at one point he looked down. He was in a coma for a while and his organs were shutting down. And then eventually his body started to recover once they gave him antibiotics. However, his legs were starting to turn black. Uh-oh. And the doctors were like, he said he at one point he remembers looking down and seeing like the black creep up his legs. Mm-mm. I mean, it would just be terrifying. So... And then he found Um, a kid with a paintbrush at the foot of his bed, and it was super rude. That kid (laughs) painted his legs black. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly. His two-year-old Sam was down there painting (laughs) his legs. And he's like, what did I tell you about that? Quit painting my legs. Um, So he had to get his legs amputated. Oh, no! (laughs) And then he had to get his, I believe, his right arm amputated. Oh. And they tried to save his left arm, but they couldn't. So he was a quadruple quadruple amputee at this point Mm. so one Mm -hmm. by one each limb had to come off and it i mean that's devastating he was this like active 33 year old man uh and now he's just you know has has no arms and legs so he also lost his it also ate away at a portion of his face Oh, no. And he had to get his mouth and lips removed. No. So he can't eat or can he still eat? Well, what they had to do was for about a year, they took skin from his one of his arms Uh and sewed it to his face and made a little hole in it. Uh And until his skin grew together, they then molded new lips for him. Like the, oh, and then yeah. eventually, then like years down the road, he got like a tattoo artist, which I think is in- completely incredible and amazing what they can do to mm. make it look more natural because, you know, it, it was just like the skin kind of hanging on his face for, for a long period of time. Right. Um, all in all, he had 120 hours of painful surgery and, hosp- and he was hospitalized for seven months at first. Um, okay. That's how long he was in recovery for. And they didn't know um, where he got this from. This is still like no, a mystery. Nope. Okay. It's just a regular strep A virus. Like it's just like the strep throat bacteria, but somehow <clears throat> it got into his body and they don't know how it happens, mm. which is terrifying because like I said, like I get strep every year. Like, I I don't know. It's really scary. Just pay attention to the warning signs, I guess. Yes. Um, over the last seven years, he has spent more than 15 months of his life in the hospital um, he basically had to relearn how to do everything. He had to learn how to eat, drink, put on clothes and learn to use prosthetics and a uh, self-propel wheelchair, manual wheelchair. Um, but he's a fighter. Like, <clears throat> like I said, I really recommend you check out this documentary because it also goes through like the family dynamics and his wife was basically like, I also, you also feel bad for her because one of her friends said to her, like, Lucy, you can leave him. Like, this isn't what you signed up for. And she was like, I would never leave him. Like, he's my partner. Like, no matter what happens, I have his back. But she also made it a point to say to him at one point, like, you have two years to get your shit together. I'm not going to feel sorry. I'm not going to baby you or feel sorry for you. And he said that that really motivated him to push through his re- his rehab and really to get his life together. And yeah. he did. 
And his, obviously his main driving force was his son. He also had a really hard time at first because his son didn't recognize him. Yeah. And if you remember, he was a stay-at-home dad. So his time with his son, you know, he spent a lot of time home with his son. And here his son wouldn't, like, hug him for a couple years because he was afraid of him. I mean, when you yeah. guys see the pictures of this, it's, I mean, it's, he, it's scary a little bit. And you feel mm-hmm. bad for this person because clearly he's been through so much. Um, let's see. He ended up through all of the, you know, through the years as he was going through rehab and learning how to eat and, and use his prosthetic prosthetics and stuff, he did find, um, ways to keep himself busy. So he used to be really into interior design. Mm-hmm. So he found a way by using the iPad to get back into interior designing. Um, he also had a microchip embedded into one of his arms or like the, um, the limb part, which signals like when he's going up to his house, he can like, like slide his arm over the door and it opens for him. So yeah. So he's really like at the forefront, which I'll talk about a little bit into technology and helping those uh, paraplegics with technology and helping to develop technology that really helps them out. Um, So in the past four years, he has set up the Alex Lewis trust Uh, to raise money for his rehab and then also uh, gives him a platform to help others. He participates in university research projects, developing new technology, like I just said, ranging from uh, development of muscle uh, whispering devices and for the Navy. And then also he has set up his own. So he also started a complete side business for this interior design company where he, you know, like hotels hire him on to come in and redesign their whole you know, their new additions and all this stuff. So he's very talented. And um, let's see, da, 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 da. He also thinks it's really important to continue to break barriers for those with um, special needs and uh, paraplegics. So he became the first quadruple amputee to kayak around the southern tip of Greenland. Greenland. Mm. And I couldn't even do that with all my limbs No, and complete a 320 mile expedition along the orange river in South Africa. Also? No, no. I mean, what have I done these past few months? Not that Mm-mm. I started um, weight watchers. That's yeah, that's, that's right. I, I downloaded an app on my phone. Um, in 2019, he became the first quadruple amputee to hand cycle 15,000 feet up the highest mountain range in Ethiopia um, on a solar-assisted four-wheeled vehicle designed and engineered by the students um, at Southampton. So he, like I said, a lot of his passion is working with universities to develop technology that can be used um, for, for people with special needs in this case. And um, he said that he did that particular mission in Ethiopia because he wanted to highlight the exclusion of the disabled in the Ethiopia society. So they must not have a lot of like wheelchair access and stuff like that. Um, Oh, the documentary is called the extraordinary case of Alex Lewis. Mm. And um, he is just a wonderful guy. I I mean, it's hard to really describe what he's been through via a podcast because it's so graphic and visual. Um, But just imagine having a common cold one day and then waking up the next day and, and slowly, limb by limb, you're just being, you know, peeled away. Uh, he did say in an interview, and I'll close with this, that um, 
great things have come from what has happened to him. And he said, it's made me think differently about being a father, a partner, a human, and the best person I can possibly be. And he said that he would never go back to his old self again. Like he's almost like thankful that this has happened to him because it brought him new light and new purpose and overall made him a better person. So sometimes we don't understand things that are happening to us, but maybe they're possibly happening for a reason or for a bigger, a bigger picture down the road. So that is the story of Alex Lewis and definitely check out the documentary, the extraordinary case of Alex Lewis. And then also his, um, you can hire him. Like if you own a company or something, you can hire him for like motivational speaking and stuff too. Wow. So yeah, it's very, again, this is not doing him justice. You have to check out the pictures, which we'll post on Instagram. Yes, we will. So, yeah. Whoa. Which, this is your reminder to Nell to send those to me. I'm going to do them right now. <laughs> I have them, I already have them picked out. Perfect. Love it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I am almost a glass into the old sledgehammer. Yeah, and I did look. I brought the bottle in here because, again, I'm almost done with the first glass. 13.9% ABV. Ooh, girl. Mm, that is high. You're not riding today, though, right? No, my friend's coming over. So oh, she'll, just, right. get to, she'll just get to enjoy a very tipsy Jenny. <laughs> I mean, she'll have a glass with you, too. Uh, no, she has to weigh in tomorrow for Weight Watchers, and she's super committed. Unlike is moi, she? who is a terrible person who never records anything anymore. But I'm still down five pounds. So even though I went on vacation and I did stuff I shouldn't have, I'm still down five pounds, which is not the 10 pounds I was before, but whatever. We're fine. I sidebar Todd and I did a, that juice cleanse last week. Yes. Which I thought was terrible and awful and sounded like I, you made me hungry. It was awful. So by day I lost like six pounds on it, but it's because it's all water. I mean, it's not real weight loss, but by we so it was a three day juice cleanse, and by day two and a half, which was last Friday, Todd came home and he was like, "Do you want to go get sushi?" And I'm like, "Yes!" So we didn't finish it; we just went and got Aww. sushi and broke our cleanse, and it was amazing. Every bite was amazing, and I never want to do a juice cleanse again. Yeah, I would say no to juice cleanses, you guys. Um, Maybe one I, day. No, like, only mm-hmm. one. <laughs> oh, a one day juice cleanse. I yeah, a one day. day you'll try to get. I'm like, don't. No, no, it no, no, no. Terrible. Okay. No. It's funny because my story, there's a little bit of stuff about weight in here, which I just found to be like amusing and really a showcase on society and what we value. Um, but anywho, I am doing the survival story of Helen Clavin. Also, okay. her married name is Khan. So, uh, but we'll call her uh, Helen and Miss Clavin for most of this. Uh, she was born in Brooklyn in December, 1941. Uh, her father was a customs agent, but he left when Helen was just a child. And her mother, Ida, was a homemaker. And to make money and to make ends meet, she rented out half of their house to, um, you know, tenants. And then uh, Helen also had four older brothers. And once they were old enough, they also helped support the family. Um, As a child, Helen was fearless, self-reliant, a stickball player, and she had ambitions to see the world. So she was kind of, I mean, again, she was born in 1941, so this is a little different for a gal, I think, back then, to want 
know, yeah. you know, play stickball and to like be like, I want to see the world. Absolutely, it was. So I kind of am like, you go, girl, do your thing. Do very, your very thing. much ahead of her time. Yes. So when she was 20 years old, it was the summer of 1962. And she decided she was going to start this exploration of the world by driving to Alaska. I'll remind you, she lives in Brooklyn. That's a long drive. That's a long drive. (laughs) (laughs) It's a long Um, drive. And my favorite part is she met, she went with a woman. She drove with a woman she had met through a newspaper ad. Oh, God, no. I mean, sure, sure. Well, it's the 60s. Well, it's the 60s. Just as awful. Um, And this reminds me, did you ever have, Kenny, I don't know if you had this, probably not because computers were a thing. In college, did you have ride ride boards, Danelle? No, I don't even know what that is. Uh, Oh, my God. I don't know what that is either. Oh, my God. Get ready. Get ready to have your mind blown and tell me I was a dumbass. Ride boards... In college, it was a bulletin board in the student union. And oh, God. you would put, like, hi, I'm Danelle, and I need to go to Purdue University to visit my boyfriend on Labor Day weekend. Is anyone else going? Here's my number. And then some rando person from the university would call you and be like, hi, I'm Jenny, and I am going to Purdue University for Labor Day weekend, and I can drive you there. No, no, yep. no, 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 no. <laughs> yep. Guess who did that? She did. Me. You did. Me. Wait, so, so that really, you weren't <laughs> joking, that really was a thing when you were in college? That's not yes. that long ago. That's like yes. something that you did in the 70s and the 80s. Like, that's no, not it was something in that the you 60s. Did in, it's something you did in 1999 as well. Because wow. I did it in, in 99 and So where did you go? Purdue University to visit the guy I was dating. You did? Yes. I Jenny. met him at a party. I met him at a party at Miami. And then, I, w- I mean, I went with another girl, so it made me feel so? slightly safer. But, yeah, I went with a girl, and we drove to Purdue, and we definitely, like, I, I just, she dropped me off at his house and was like, I'll pick you up Sunday at XYZ time. And I just had to trust she was going to do that. Holy shit. Thanks Girls, so much has changed. how did I get back to campus? <laughs> how did, so how did you get like back home so she had to come pick me up so sunday when she was leaving she had to come pick me up oh my god that's my terrible. did your parents unquote, know about this no absolutely not they had no clue your mom would have freaked oh my god for sure well thankfully for that's sure. not a thing anymore <laughs> i mean i think they have virtual ones now but anyway kids i mean it turned out for me fine but it could have tur- it was basically like hitchhiking but with like how far Slightly, would you from Miami, would you say? Three hours. Okay. So it's not like, at least it's not like a 10 hour drive, but still no. that's far enough to be chopped up in little pieces. Yeah. Or stranded. Right. Anyway, <laughs> I'm an, I anyway, was an idiot, sorry. I was an idiot who really liked this boy. So, anywho, um, so she went to Alaska and they were in Fairbanks, Alaska and okay. She, after a few, or after several months, it doesn't say how many, so we'll go with four, I'm guessing, uh, she decided she was ready to move on and wanted to explore Hong Kong or India. Wow. I'm like, damn. Girl. Okay. And then I'm going to quote this because I like the way they said it. But first, she had to reach San Francisco, 
her portal to Asia. Oh, snap. I was like, her portal to Asia? (laughs) All right. But she's in Alaska. Can't she just go from Alaska to Asia? I don't think that's how it worked in the 60s. I I know. (laughs) So anyway, so she's she's in Fairbanks, and she has to get to Whitehorse, which is the capital of Yukon Territory. So in 1963... She uh, decided that she was going to go with Ralph Flores uh, and because he was he needed another person to go to share the aircraft expenses with him. Mm-hmm. And you may be thinking, you may be saying, Ralph Flores, if you're a pilot, shouldn't you be able to cover that? Well, it turns out he's an aircraft mechanic. Nope. No. Mm. That's not a pilot. That's different than a pilot. That's yeah. Crazy. No. <laughs> so uh, they were grounded for three days because of snowstorms. And they had flown a little bit, but they had to go to their next leg, which was going to be Fort St. John, British. Uh, oh, to Fort St. John, British Columbia. That's where they needed to get to. Okay. Um, so on February 4th, uh, they decided to go, even though the, the weather was still not ideal for flying. I say I say no to that still. I yeah, especially if a me- you're with a mechanic. She I don't know if she knows the diff. Uh, at one point before they even left, he said, "If you don't trust me, then don't go with me." And she was like, "No, I trust." You know how that no people do yes. that. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. She's like, Fuckers. "No, I trust you. No, I trust you. Don't say stuff like that." Mm. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay, so they fly for hours through blinding snow and harsh winds, and Mr. Flores is trying to find his bearings, so he takes his plane above the clouds, and that doesn't work. So then he descends a bit so he can try to follow landmarks or follow the path of the Alaska Highway. That's not going to work in a snowstorm, sir. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Mr. Flores, an inexperienced pilot, a.k.a. airplane mechanic, uh, didn't know how to fly using only the aircraft instruments, which is what you need to do in bad weather. You you can't look at physical things. You have to look at the instruments and understand what's happening. Right. Pilots don't even, if weather is bad, that's the only thing that's guiding them through the air or the instruments. It's not like a car where you're looking out your window, people. Mm -mm, It's not. So he didn't bring adequate food or basic survival gear. Oh, no. This so they don't have, well. They don't have an axe. They don't have sleeping bags. They don't have a rifle. They don't have anything. <laughs> so, uh, Helen at this point says, quote, I knew he didn't know where he was, but he wouldn't say we were lost. But I knew we were. We were flying by a mountain, and I saw trees right below us. <laughs> I knew we were going to crash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. She's very intuitive all of a sudden. <laughs> Mr. Flores recalled... I said out loud, okay, Helen, here it comes. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, oh God, these people are crazy. <laughs> so uh, the plane crashes into a very remote area of Yukon, British Columbia, like right on the border of Yukon and British Columbia, which are two different areas of Canada. Um, it's very forested and it's on a mountainside. But thankfully, both uh, Helen and Mr. Flores survive the crash which okay. is pretty freaking lucky that they pretty both... freaking lucky so mr flores the pilot aka aircraft mechanic fractured his jaw and several ribs which i was like gross like can you imagine having to just hang out with a broken jaw 
No. Ah, He'd be like, can you pop this back in place? Ah. Uh, And Helen, uh, she had a broken arm. And she also had, oh, it was a broken left arm. And one of her feet was crushed. Oh, okay. Gross. All right. Um, so when they crashed, the terrain was obviously, like I said, very forested, very mountainous, very wildernessy. Nobody likes that. Except for, you know, wilderness people. Uh, and the snow was waist deep. Oh, okay. Can you imagine? You get no. out and it's just like up to your waist. You're like, fuck. Uh, the cold just, Mm-mm. yeah. Oh, get ready. The temperatures in the <laughs> yeah. area dropped as low as 48 degrees below zero. Nope. (laughs) Okay, so Mr. Flores, the quote-unquote pilot, wrapped uh, Helen's foot in her sweaters, the crushed foot, uh, and he tried to cover the openings of the cabin of the plane with tarps, and he tried to fix the radio to send out a distress signal, but he did not succeed in that. He, See, he also now attempted... she is, sorry, now she is with the right guy because he's a mechanic. So maybe he can like fuss with some of the stuff and fix right. it. Right. But... but he did not fix the radio, but he did try and build rabbit traps, which I was like, <laughs> okay, cool, 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 cool. We may be <laughs> freezing, but we're not going to be hungry. But don't Got worry, it. they were. Because <laughs> on board the airplane, they had a few cans of sardines, a few cans of tuna fish, some fruit salad, and a box of saltine crackers. Hmm. That lasted them, when it was rationed, 10 days. So they were out there for 10 days. Oh, no. They were out there for 42 days. What? So the food lasted 10. Oh, God. (laughs) This is called Sip Survivor Pete, so don't worry. It has a happy ending. Um, At least for Helen. No, they both live. Don't worry. They both live. It's magic. No one had to eat each other, which is nice. A nice change of events. (laughs) Okay. They drank water, which they filtered through shreds of some of her dresses, and they boiled it in an empty oil can. So they were able to start fire, which is good because there was a lot of snow. So I'm like, how'd you do that? But I think they did have some matches on board. Um, So they had uh, the snow, and then they also were able to, they found um, in one of their suitcases, there was a half-filled tube of toothpaste. And so they would squeeze little bits out of it and eat the toothpaste. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I'm like, that's... I don't know if that's good for you. But I don't know in the 60s if it was as fluorinated as it is now. or Probably not. And it's probably just the act of, like, eating, putting something in your mouth and chewing. That... It was kind of like eating baking powder. Ooh. Baking. Yeah, baking powder, right? Baking soda? Baking, baking soda. soda. <laughs> Oh, well, I kind of like the taste. I wouldn't want to swallow I it, love a good baking soda toothpaste. I mean, mm. I wouldn't want to eat it. But no, 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 no. I love, uh, like, the grittiness of it. Anyway. So Helen said, we'd pretend the melted snow was soup. Some days it would be tomato, then beef, then all the other varieties. <laughs> I was like. Sounds fun. <laughs> sounds neato Dorito. Uh, they passed the time by reading books. So they had on board a book of poems by Robert Service and a Bible. And in an inappropriate turn of events, Mr. Flores tried to convert Miss Clayman from Judaism to the Mormon faith. No, 
Mr. Flores. <laughs> Mr. Flores. Mind your own business. Now is not the time to no. convert somebody from being Jewish to Mormon. Not, <laughs> not the time. Not the time. Yeah. I was like, now what? What's happening? Okay. Anywho, um, in early March, Mr. Flores left Helen for eight days. And that was because he was walking a ridge in snowshoes he had made. Again, the mechanic in him and just can't let things go. So he made himself some fucking snowshoes <laughs> out of tree branches and wire. And he did find a clearing in the woods. And he thought, okay, here's a clearing. So maybe when pilots fly over, they'll be better able to see us if we aren't shrouded by trees and snow. Okay. Which is like okay. smart. Smart. Yeah. Um, so he returned and it was about three quarters of a mile. So um, on day 42, they set off to get to that spot. So they had, they took like wreckage, fuselage and made it like a sled so they could bring whatever belongings they needed, which I was like, interesting. Um, but I, I get it because they weren't sure if they were going to be there for a long time. Um, so a few days later, once they got to this clearing, uh, he left again and he found a frozen pond and that's where he etched a huge sign that said S O S and he put an arrow pointing to their campsite. Okay. So we wrote S O S on a frozen pond with an arrow pointing to the, the site so that maybe if someone was flying over, because there were airplanes flying over, um, that maybe someone would see it. So there was a pilot who was actually flying on May 24th um, to a nearby trapper's cabin, and he actually spotted the SOS. And then he saw Helen at the campsite. Oh, okay. And then he saw uh, Mr. Flores waving his arms and signaling with a mirror uh, a, little a little ways away because he had just done the SOS thing and then, like, he didn't make it back to camp or some shit. Anyway, they're not together, but they're, like, near enough each other that this person's like, what the hell? So this, this pilot that spots them, his name is Charles Hamilton. And um, so he knew he had to get back and try and save these people. He did not know it was the missing people. At this point, everyone thought that the pilot and the 21-year-old woman who had gone missing were deaf dead. They were like, those people are dead. It's negative 48. Move no on. way people have lived this long. Yeah. No. Um, so... They, uh, he lands and he first finds Mr. Flores who explains what has happened and he can't believe that it's the pilot. I'm going to sneeze. Bless you. Woo! I might sneeze again. Hold on. Wait. Bless. I told you allergies. allergies yeah. Just snuck up on me like suddenly today. Okay. So, um, they rescue Mr. Flores first, but then night falls, so they have to, like, wait to rescue Helen. So she spends another night alone at the campsite. Um, but uh, Charles Hamilton uh, goes out the next day and finds Helen at the campsite. He said the snow was three to five feet deep. Oh, now, imagine, like, I'm 5'8", which is tall for a gal. Like, that's five feet deep. Yeah, that's, that's almost like over my head. I mean, I'm five five. I'm five six. So I mean, okay. So like six inches that's of your crazy. of your head would be poking out. That's it. Uh, oh. So Mr. Hamilton. So he. Okay, this is where the weight thing comes into play. 
Helen was very concerned because Mr. Hamilton was like, you can't walk through this to get back to my vehicle or the dogs. It was a dog sled that he brought out to rescue her. You can't walk. Your foot is crushed. And like, it's the snow is too deep. And her response was, there's no way he can carry me out of here. Because in her head, she weighed far too much. Oh. Okay. And in, an, in another article I read, because I was like, what does she mean far too much? Was she like out of control? Like what's happening? <laughs> right. And, she, and I don't. She's been I, out there for 40 days, 40 plus days. Like she's got to lose right. some weight. Oh, she lost a bunch of weight. But that's where it gets real iffy on like what society has done to us even in the 60s. Mm. So she, when she got on this plane, she weighed 140 pounds. Okay. Which she considered to be very overweight. Really? I would, that's great. I would kill someone to weigh 140 pounds. But that's a very good point, Jenny. What has society done to us? (laughs) I don't know. And so this man, of course, Charles Hamilton, this pilot who's rescuing her was like, ma'am, I carry, I drag moose out of the wilderness when I hunt. Like, I'm pretty sure I can carry you. Like, you're fine. So he puts her on his back and they start to to go out of the the wilderness. Um, This poor guy fell 40 or 50 times. And he said, I had to keep falling on my face because I couldn't fall on her and she was on my back. So this poor oh guy just kept biting it face first into the snow because he didn't want to fall on this poor woman. What a hero, though, <laughs> to just keep taking it to the face like that. Yeah, yeah. So he, uh, I would also like to say, and I'm going off memory because I don't have the article up in front of me about the whole weight thing. She, so she had gotten, she had lost 40 pounds over the 42 days. So she weighed 100 pounds upon her oh rescue. Oh, my God. And the first thing she did when she, yeah, 40 pounds. If you don't eat for 42 days. It's a pound a day. So she, when she got to the hospital, she wanted them to take pictures of her because she thought she looked so good and so thin. See, that's when it started. Mm. Girl, mm -mm. 140 is fine. Any weight is fine. Any weight is fine. If you're fine with it, then it's fine. (sighs) So anyway, that was just a little depressing moment in this story where I was like, oh, no, even in the 60s, people were like, oh, yeah, look at how skinny. But I feel like in the 40s and the 50s, if you look back at at women, they were a little and not even heavy, but to our standards, heavier, I guess. But that was acceptable. Curvaceous. But I feel like that's coming back. I mean, but here's the thing. It's not it's still not okay to be overweight. It's okay to have curves in the quote unquote right places. Like you can have a big boobs and a big butt and big thighs, but you can't have a big stomach and you can't have like, there's certain rules, which I think is like bullshit. It is. But that's just me and the sledgehammer a talking. So anyway, (laughs) like, let me tell you something. Let me tell you a story about weight. Hold on. I need a sip of this. Mm. (laughs) Okay. So her arm had healed by the time she was rescued. Unfortunately, it was pretty crook. Pretty crooked. Um, but when she got to the hospital, she was treated for other things like malnutrition, frostbite, et cetera, et cetera. She was also besieged by reporters and newspapers, including uh, in magazines like Life magazine, which published a cover story about the crash. Hmm. 
So again, she was thrilled to be uh, featured with her current weight loss situation, which I was like, no, you should be excited that you lived right. not about your weight. And mm. you can eat all the food now. Eat all. If I were driving, like, and now my goal is to get to 200 pounds. And I'm going to double this bitch. <laughs> Woo. Oh my God. Okay. So she returned to New York City less than a week after she was rescued. And um, her right foot, she had very frostbitten toes. And so those had to be amputated. And um, then she wrote a book with somebody named Beth Day, no relation to me. Um, She also got to tell her story uh, in true 60s fashion on a game show called To Tell the Truth. Such a 60s thing, for Ah, sure. (laughs) I hope there were flowers involved in the logo. I don't know. Uh, she went to college at, um, Hunter College and Columbia University. Mm, Fancy. Smarties. Uh, she worked, uh, promoting stocks at a brokerage and she also worked for a book publisher. She met her husband, Robert Kahn, a securities analyst through an early computer dating service and they married in 67. I wonder if that's like the first online dating I don't know, but I am befuddled by that. They <laughs> met through an early computer dating service. I'm like, think what of all the like? nerds on that service. <gasps> I'm just like, so you had to sit in a room that was completely filled with a computer because the computers were the size of a room and chat. I, there wasn't, there hadn't, there were no chat. Like what? How, How did they I don't do understand. that? I don't know, but I'm going to look up early computer dating services and figure it out for and all even of just you. The- the look of the web well probably wasn't even a website i can't even imagine there what it looked like there was no like, internet there was no like, internet like what did it look like and again can you imagine the crew that's on that site god bless america i don't know <laughs> <laughs> okay in the new york post which is where i got this article and most of my information from although i did look at wikipedia and a couple other rando websites and blogs uh in the new york post which is where this article is uh, their wedding announcement said from Yukon to Mrs. Khan. Oh, clever. <laughs> Which I was like, yes, I feel like I would have come up with that. I enjoy it. Uh, they did separate in the eighties, but they never got divorced and they remained very friendly. Uh, Mr. Khan, the founder of WP Stewart and company an asset management firm died in 2009. Um, Mrs. Khan, AKA Helen, uh, continued to love travel even though she got she went through this whole plane crash thing she did not turn her head away or her heart away from travel so her head head or her heart or her missing toes away um so she traveled widely with her children to europe asia and the caribbean and her son dr khan uh, said that they would travel from one European city to the next and they'd meet kids from other countries. And she, and Dr. Khan said um, that his mother was a global citizen and he said it didn't matter if we were in fancy places or campsites. Um, she also taught survival skills to the Girl Scouts hmm. and at schools and other groups. Uh, she also had another son named Rocky and had six grandchildren. Um, and... Uh, Mr. Flores and Helen stayed friends 
1975, they, uh, they were advisors to a Hey, I'm Alive, an ABC television movie. Oh, my God. Wow, and the it, life she's lived. And it starred Sally Struthers and yeah, Ed Asner. <laughs> <laughs> what, it was called Hey, I'm Alive. Well, but that's because it was based on the book she wrote right after the crash and she was rescued <laughs> called Look hey. at me, I'm alive. No, it was I'm called Hey, I'm Alive. <laughs> <laughs> and you can still get it. It's on Amazon. If you guys are interested, uh, Helen's book is still out there called Hey, comma, I'm Alive. <laughs> Amazing. But mostly I want to find this movie starring Sally Struthers. Absolutely. Uh, she the said, drama. quote, those weeks gave me an opportunity to meet myself. Most people expect they would not be able to cope with a crisis. And it was great. It was a great experience to find out that I could. And that is a story of Helen Clavin. Also Helen Kahn. Well done. Bravo. That was great. <laughs> there you go. The sledgehammer really helped with it. It had a little bit of everything, Jenny. Day. Mm, mm. I just like that there was a made-for-TV movie. I like that yeah, that's what I mean. It, it really I'm did alive. have everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kenny, would you like to tell us some weird news? Yes. So plans for a floating hotel in Swansea are put on hold after what happened. The coronavirus. Just kidding. Um, where's Swansea? Swansea. It's in Wales. Oh. Oh. Like England? Yeah. Oh. Um, does it rain floating too much there? Because I feel like in the UK, that's not a good place to have a floating vacation situation. <laughs> what was your guess to know? I was joking. I said the coronavirus. Oh. <laughs> uh, it was put on hold after the boat it was to be built on sank. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, that's going well, that to put a damper on things. Yes. Literally. Literally. Did it hit an iceberg? Was it like Titanic style or what happened? Uh, where was it? I, was, I just saw it. It just kind of started sinking. I think it was just age. That's what they said. It just started going <laughs> oh, down gosh. one day. <laughs> that is not what you want in a quote unquote floating yeah. hotel. Yeah. That's not I what you I wish I knew how much money they put into it already, but. I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. Crazy. Wow. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> this has been a, another episode of Sips or Bad Repeat. I am a little tipsy off the sledgehammer. And uh, how are you guys feeling? I'm feeling good. Great. You're feeling good. Okay. Well, if you guys want to, you can you. tune in. <laughs> <laughs> 13.9. Uh, you guys can tune in every week on Tuesdays for another episode, and we're going to try and get back into our weird new shorts. Uh, we just have been soups busy this summer, so uh, that's it. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.